Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we're so happy to have back with us returning fan favorite, Amy Shaughnessy. Amy! Welcome back, Amy. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me back. I'm very excited. Very excited to be here. We are pumped. Yes. <laughs> Amy was last with us for season three, episode six, Tales from the Luncheonette. Yep. That was like six months ago, Amy. How have you been in the last half a year? <laughs> it's lovely. I've moved. I have been writing a lot. There's been a lot of things progressing, which feels great. And of course, I've been listening to the podcast. Aww. Guys, love it so much. You Yay. guys are both. Thank you. Recapping this show with the two of you is just so much fun. I just Yay. love it. I love this show and you guys do such a good job of analyzing each episode and talking about such interesting things. And I catch things that I didn't catch the first time around, which Aww. I think is always true when you watch multiple true. times. It's like, oh, that something new happens every time. Yeah. 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 And you're new when you're watching it. So, yeah, yes. exactly. you know. <laughs> now you moved. Are you still... Did you move within LA? Yes, I'm still in LA. I'm in North Hollywood now, which oh, I love. Very cool. A little more central. My parents are sort of out in the family Agora Hills area. So now I'm a little closer to the main city, which is nice. So that's lovely. So it's very all cool. good things. All good things over here in LA. Yay. I'm so happy Yay. to hear that. Thank you. I recently caught up with season two of the morning show and was very happy to spy you here and there. <laughs> the drinking game. If you spot me, just take a shot. It's good. <laughs> I hadn't watched the morning show the first time you were on and now I'm obsessed with it. And I thank you. You're like the main reason. I mean, you would think that Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon would have brought me to the morning show, but yeah. it was actually you. So I'm much more interesting as the producer in the control room. just running. Around. Although have you watched season two yet, Melissa? I have only watched the first episode and I, because I I'm like currently in Grace and Frankie mode and then then uh, morning show season two is my next thing. But I'm like, I should watch at least one episode to see Amy. But then I didn't see you in the first one. Were you in the first no, one? I'm, okay. I'm not in the first two. I think okay. I like started in three, but you don't really see me. And then there's like six and seven. You might see me. I'm okay. in the background from two on. But OK, yeah, they had already shot the first two before I started. So, well, you were like, seriously, but it brought me to the second. Like, like, yeah, no. It's a good show. It's, and they did a good job this season because they obviously introduced COVID and the election and everything, which was all very touchy. But I thought they did a good job with it. I really yeah. like just having seen the first episode of this season. It reminded me a lot of the flashback one in the first season where it's like we're having a big birthday party for Mitch and something terrible is looming and we, oh, the yeah. audience know it. And it's like, Oh, new year's happy 2020. And we all know. Yeah. And I'm like, man, they're good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was that little PTSD on the set. Cause they have on the screens in the control room, like Italy's first case. Now it's coming to America. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go through. We're not done. Ugh, yeah. Ready for this. Terrible. Oh. But they handled it. Well, they handled it. Well, <laughs> good. <laughs> Well, enough about that show. Let's talk about this show. Man, you're good. You're good, Thank Caleb. You. Today, we're talking about Parenthood Season 4, Episode 8, One More Weekend with You. It was written by Monica Beletsky, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on November 20th, 2012, my dad's birthday. Not birth year, but... Yeah, <laughs> that would be super weird. <laughs> Fun fact about my dad, yeah. he's nine. <laughs> <laughs> And here is the DVD synopsis. 
Crosby and Jasmine continue to adjust to life as a married couple as Julia and Joel try to adjust to life as a new family. Amber learns more about Ryan's past and Sarah and Mark encounter a parenting dilemma. So no mention of Adam and Christina in this synopsis. But you know, it's nice. (laughs) Adam and Christina have been the focus of so many episodes and thus so many podcasts lately. I thought we would do them first this time and kind of get the cancer out of the way and go to the the other storylines. Well, I will also say this one did at least feel a little bit more balanced as far as I think there were five storylines and they all had pretty equal time. And in the last few, it's been like largely the cancer. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. So good thing too, because it was just so depressing. But anyway, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Adam and Christina are like babysitting Micah so that his parents can get some alone time Turns out they're going to Vegas. Here's what the first thing that caught my ear in this storyline. I'd like to go to Vegas. Do you remember what happened last time we went to Vegas? Yeah, that's why I want to go again. What happened? I know. My theory is that they conceived in Vegas. They conceived a child in Vegas. Oh, wait, so Adam wants more kids? I mean, he just wants the sex part, you know? That part, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I thought that too. I figured they just. Had some sex, but yeah, may, Don't maybe. Don't they have sex all the time? I would think maybe it was special. I'll be Vegas honest, my sex. mind went to yeah, some kind of special Vegas sex. Yeah, Zumanity in the hotel room. Well, That's I, right. is it yeah. that thing that Christina <laughs> offhandedly once said? I don't want to do that thing you like to do because that hurts. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> that? Yes, I do, and we all know what that I, thing there is. There are these little allusions to like. Yikes. Okay. They're a wild, <laughs> they're secretly like a wild couple and we just don't see it. It's all underneath. It's all yeah. underneath. <laughs> yeah. This one I was majorly team Adam though. Like when this episode started and I was like, listen, Christina, I, I understand you think you can do it all and like it's but know your limits. Yeah. Do not have guests over right now. You have, I wrote it down. I was like, you have an infant. You have a puppy, you have cancer, you have a child with autism. Like maybe we don't have, we don't throw another thing in the pot. Like maybe we stop. True. I was really upset with her. I'm normally on team Christina and I love her, but I was really upset with her. (laughs) I completely agree. When, when Adam was like, you just say no. And she's like, oh, I can't say no. I'm like, well, I understand this because I too can't say no. Yeah, I've been on the board of something that I don't really like being on the board of for the past two years because I got like invited to a meeting and then I got inducted in at the meeting. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And it was oh, a three-year commitment. And I've just never been like, oh no. I'm just like, okay, I'll just continue to go to the meeting. So yeah. anyway, I just say that. Like it, it's hard to say no. I get it that. Is. It is hard to say no. <laughs> Sidebar, Melissa, I saw you recently put on Facebook something like, so excited for this f- <laughs> whatever. And I, I almost started typing, no, you're not. And I was going <laughs> to screenshot it and send it to you, you know, without, without, without posting it. Posting it. But, yeah. <laughs> I know. You're lying. I am lying. not wanting to do this no. at all, guys. <laughs> well, and I felt bad for everyone involved having to then try and make the best out of this situation. But it, it occurred to me that I think of all the factors, Max might have been the worst one. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, as the episode was going on, I thought he's really the least equipped yeah. to deal with such an out of the ordinary kind of weekend. A lot of stimulation mm-hmm. all yeah. around. 
And, and so I thought, well, maybe it's not his fault, but boy, I did think that Max was just in fine form. Mom, where are those nachos? Hey, Max, okay, we're, we're working hungry. on it. Patient, please, we're just cleaning up. Otis is peeing on the carpet. Okay, Max, <laughs> if she starts peeing, you know what, honey? Don't pick worry, him up, I got it, honey. Why? He's already peeing on the carpet. I got it, I got it. Honey, I can hey, do that. I got, got it, I got it. Honey, are you okay? I'm good. All right. Oh, Otis. Otis. Max, you can't just sit there and play your game, yeah. okay? She can't. Max, up here, come on. Okay. She hit him with a rolled up no, newspaper. No, 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 no. And then stick his nose in it, too. Uh, no, it's, uh, no, we're not. That's what my grandpa does. Uh -huh. Okay, uh, no. Okay, um. You know what, Max? Yes. Okay, honey. Honey. Um, Take your dog outside, honey. Are you okay? I'm gonna go upstairs for a second. I'm not feeling so You're okay, Nora. You're okay. It doesn't. What is it, honey? You all right? Christina. What is it? Oh, God. Okay, you're okay. You're okay. Okay, honey, I got this. Can you make it to the bedroom? Okay, come on, let's go. I'm All right. sorry. I'm gonna honey. walk with you. Don't be sorry. You're okay. You're right there, Nora. I'm so sorry. Okay. Nora, shut up. Max? That's when I lost my mind, when he told his baby sister to shut up. <laughs> This wow. is the point where I started to make a list. I was like, one infant, one puppy, one child. <laughs> no guests. Yeah. No guests. Oh. No room at the inn. Yeah. 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 No, I, I actually wrote down that I think this might be Adam's finest episode, like as far yeah. as who he is and, and Max's worst. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, Max was just awful. For me, this is, I'm sort of going on a tangent, but my ideal like date or finding a partner situation is to throw somebody into a crisis and see how they <laughs> handle it. Yeah. Because I think it says so much about a person when you see them in a crisis because they either melt down completely or they turn into Adam where it's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. And this was like the, per I was like, Adam's the perfect person because this is his ultimate crisis. Yeah. And he just, every step, he's like, how can I solve this problem? How can I solve? And he just knocks them all out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, you're the best husband in the world. And I literally was like, yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, it almost makes me forgive Adam for every critical thing we've ever said about him. But of course, also poor Christina. Yeah. And I, I also wrote down, why have they not hired another behavioral aide? Like, yeah. yeah, I realized Gabby served her story purpose and then that like they just maybe don't have ideas. So it's not worth it. But he should like, still but... have one. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I also thought Asperger's or not. I have to wonder in what universe Max thinks it's OK to holler out things like where are those nachos Yeah, yeah. to his parents or like Nora, shut up. Like you say that to me in my house and you're sleeping outside. Yeah. I, you know, I was just so mad. He was in a real special attitude this episode. But like you said, I mean, I'm no expert on it, but I do know like the biggest challenge for kids with autism is a change in the routine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when any little thing happens, it just completely throws them. But that's another thing where I'm like, Christina, your cancer is enough of a break in his routine yeah. that it's going to throw point. him. Don't throw more things in. Like, yeah. what? don't throw a kid in a sleepover in it. Just if there's one massive change of you getting diagnosed with cancer, let that be the change. Don't add to it. Yeah. I was really frustrated with her. I know she's sick, but I was like, come on. Well, and I also just didn't understand it because she was like, well, I can't tell them I have cancer. They'd feel terrible. And I'm like, well, they'd only feel terrible now if they knew yeah. after you've taken him in for the weekend. If you just said, 
oh, I guess we haven't seen you in a while. I actually can't do it. I'm actually having chemo right now. And and right. they would be like, yeah, oh. Who wouldn't understand? They would be like, totally. say no more. We will get someone else. And so I'm like, I think that is the part I didn't understand. Sometimes I can't say no because I feel like, well, I could do it. You know, I feel like if I were going through chemo, that might be the one time I'd be like, no, I can say no. I can yeah. I can absolutely say yeah. no to things. I have an excuse now. That's what I yeah. wrote. It's like, we, I have trouble saying no too, but it's like, I learned my limits at this point. Like yeah. if it can my health and like, then I know that it's going to fall on Adam. If something goes wrong, then I know I can, I'm like, I'm going to say, no, I'm sorry. There's, there's a limit to how much you can handle. Yeah. She hasn't learned her limits yet. No. <laughs> I, I will say that I did think that Micah was probably the least stressful part of that weekend though. He was a little like angel saint. And, um, I remember at one point towards the end when they're getting ready to, to go with Adam and, you know, Adam's like, all right, Max, turn it off. We're going. I counted. Micah says three times, Max, put it on pause. Max, put yeah. it on pause. And I'm like, that's so sweet. He's just like real accommodating, you know? And <laughs> at some point too, he was like, your dad said, turn it off. Like, yeah. he's like standing up like your dad, like we have to listen to the adult, Max. Like, yeah. Turn it off. Micah gets it. Maybe Micah can be their behavioral aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was curious about the timeline of events because Christina seemed fine. Although I, kudos to if it's makeup or costuming or Monica Potter or probably everyone. I thought they did a great job of making her look various stages of sick, like right yeah. off the bat. Even before she, looked she was unwell. nauseated, she, she, yeah, it looked like, oh, this is not typical Christina. Yeah. And then she got visibly worse and then yeah. visibly better. But anyway, she was functioning at the beginning of the episode and then was starting to experience the side effects. So I looked that up and according to cancer.org, acute nausea and vomiting usually happens within minutes to hours after a chemo treatment is given and usually within the first 24 hours. This is more common when treatment is given by IV infusion or when taken by mouth. Hmm. So I thought maybe this is like 24 hours after her hmm. treatment. Like maybe this episode is beginning quite soon after yeah. the end of the previous one. It felt like it was like the day before. Because I feel like that's why Adam was so in the beginning, why he was so agitated, because it felt like it, it literally had happened. She'd had the treatment like yesterday. That adds to up. To me, it yeah. felt like yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got to give yourself it's like when you get the vaccine or the booster it's like they say like give yourself 24 to 48 hours because like something might happen it's like a lot those days because you don't know what your reaction is going to be to something that's true yeah yeah I also looked this up in response to what Micah said this is from the American Humane Society they say <laughs> never rub a dog's nose in urine <laughs> or feces or punish a dog for an accident this will teach your dog to fear you, and he may hide when he has to go. It is not instinctive for dogs to relieve themselves outside. It is only natural for them to not go where they sleep. Hmm. Every place else is fair huh. game. <laughs> Interesting. I never knew. I didn't either. Yeah, we never put their noses in it because it just seems kind of sad and mean. And we all, yeah. yeah, we just. Well, now you can say, and the American Humane Society backs you up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, just when I was like liking Adam almost more than ever, uh -huh. when they go over to Adam, when, yeah, that's his one. When they misstep. go over to Jasmine and Crosby's, the stuff with Jasmine's underwear—what the hell is oh, that? Opened a whole can of worms in my head. I'm like, does Adam secretly lust after 
Jasmine and I like and I'm sure it could be just weird but like innocent curiosity of looking through other people's drawers but it's still I was like this is yucky we could just left this out yeah. it doesn't add anything and no. it, yeah I was like just as I was thinking Adam's finest episode I'm like oh except for that creepy moment where he's like picking up her yeah and I didn't think she was mad enough I'm like you know you're having a party and they like sort of barge in you know what she's just perfect she just takes Nora she's you know really okay with Max feeding the dog her fancy food off the I mean like I mean she's not okay with it but she doesn't lose her mind I mean are you guys hungry it's like she like invites them into the party yeah totally I would have been like let's set you up in a bedroom off somewhere (laughs) but like that's when I would have lost my mind if I were Jasmine I'd be like okay you you crashed my party everything's happening what the hell are you doing in my underwear (laughs) whatever okay that's a weird move I really thought he was gonna like pocket it or something like I I was watching (laughs) God let Crosby say something like this isn't just gonna be like a secret thing that the camera is catching right like what are you doing you weirdo I was like oh thank god yeah I think he called him a perv which <laughs> was I I actually appreciated that it's like yeah. that's the appropriate word yeah but now I'm wondering didn't he do that again like didn't he do that in like a very early first season when Adam's in like Crosby's house and there's like a bong and there's like underwear that some random girl had left behind I think there's like a series of things and Adam's just fascinated maybe Adam is just like my life is real boring and Crosby's got pot and G-strings and bombs. Maybe I'm wrong about their spicy relationship. <laughs> maybe maybe. vanilla. <laughs> I'm not sure. Or maybe that's the one thing he loves that Christina doesn't. Like, yeah. I'm not going to wear the frilly underwear for you, the Adam. That's my line. Well, everything else. Who knows? That's the thing that hurts. Yeah, that was also my theory at the end. I'm like, does Adam really know how to roll a joint? Like Adam's going to be the one to roll this for her with the bag of stuff. And then I was like, no, Christina did it for sure. Christina. Cause remember in the first season when they're at the school yeah. yes. and they're passing around the joint and he full on like, yeah, Adam doesn't. And but I'm she... like what's going on? I, it's, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Cause that was one of my favorite parts of that element of this storyline was like contrasting it to the only other pot use we've seen on the show. Yeah. And then it was kind of funny and a joke and it was a little bit forbidden. And here it felt really, I don't even want to say serious. I mean, I, I felt like they were taking it seriously, but it almost seemed like a like a saving grace. Like, oh, my yeah. God, thank God someone had pot because this is actually helping her. Yeah. And it wasn't scandalous and like cutesy breaking the rules. It was like merciful yeah thank god it was showing yes. what you can do it was like look how this drug can actually like you've seen this woman suffering the whole episode yeah and like i'm a big proponent of pot i i love it everyone here <laughs> my, love it. we've given it to my parents to go to sleep now it's very highly used in the shaughnessy family <laughs> but i liked that you saw like how much she was suffering the whole time and then look at what this medicine can do to yeah. heal people that are going through this and it works and it made her feel better. it made her go to sleep she was probably exhausted like I liked that they did that, that they put the benefits of that at the end. Yeah. It was wonderful. And I was back to loving Adam again when he like gives it to her. It's very loving. And she's like, do you want some? And I thought that was almost a funny question because I'm like, 
oh my God, can you imagine if he did? And then they've got Micah and the infant and they've just and got- the dog and the infant yeah. and the children. And now they're both high. I like that he's like, no, 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 you. And I'm like, that seems very sweet, but also it's impossible, I would think. Like, yeah, at this point. I was like, he's definitely getting a contact high because she's just yeah. like blowing it within two feet of him. Like, yeah. Already. That's totally, yeah. This is also from cancer.org. A number of small studies of smoked marijuana found that it can be helpful in treating nausea and vomiting from cancer chemotherapy. Mm. They also say, more recently, scientists reported that THC and other cannabinoids such as CBD slow growth and or cause death in certain types of cancer cells growing in lab dishes. Some animal studies also suggest certain cannabinoids may slow growth and reduce spread of some forms of cancer. Wow. And FYI, I got my pronunciation of cannabinoid from cancer.gov. So if well, it's incorrect, <laughs> blame, blame cancer.gov, it not me. It right to me. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I, I was like, is it cannabinoid? Because I'm like, that sounds more like cannabis. But then cancer.gov said it's cannabinoid. I just got a flashback to, um, I sometimes will volunteer to do um scholars bowl and I'm a moderator while I will I will read these incredibly difficult quiz questions and I try to look up every word that I don't know ahead of time but every once in a while I I just like overlook one and it's always some math term that I haven't had since high school and hypotenuse was like the one I got wrong last time I think I said like hypotenuse and I'm like that wasn't right <laughs> that wasn't right. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell because then all the children, uh, the kids, but I'm calling them children right now because I'm frustrated. They, they would laugh at me. And I'm like, I'm volunteering my time right now for you, little geniuses. <laughs> anyway. I loved that last scene with Adam and Christina. I feel like they're just everything you would hope for in a spouse. Mm-hmm. They feel yeah. so rock solid and have, they're making each other laugh even in this very stressful situation. And it it just felt wonderful. I was like, this is more romantic than Uh, like a candlelit dinner or something. They are one of the, the only other couple that I feel like that way that I've seen on television that I'm like, oh, this is real. And this is like what you want is like a partner and a is Tammy and Eric Taylor. Yes. Yes. Adam and Christina Braverman, Tammy and Eric Taylor. Like those are the relationships where you're like highs and lows, ups and downs, every like, you are a partner. You are in a crisis. They just work beautifully together. Yeah. Also, yeah. naked people circus kills me every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I will say this. I remember being kind of hard on Adam when he was making fun of Gwen at the hospital waiting room. And I mean, also Gwen was like, <laughs> debatably within earshot. I mean, she was pretty close, <laughs> right? She was like walking away. And she has cancer. Like, I was like all right, don't do that. But I remember Caleb saying something like, but isn't there something kind of about like, you know, two people like sort of making fun of someone together and no one has to know. And I did feel like that with these parents who just made a woman going through chemo, like watch their son for the weekend, yes. making fun of them. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and they're not there yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. You can talk yeah. about them. It's all okay. Yeah. yeah. Bring Zumani back to the hotel room. And then- <laughs> oh, God. And Adam, like, making fun of the guy's the face. face. Like, like, wouldn't it be this? That? Yeah, imagine this face. <laughs> that was pretty great. And, yeah, was, so that, that was, was a case where I thought, yes, that's different. Yeah. And that's me. less mean-spirited than... 
the stuff to Gwen. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. boy, I hope Gwen's okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was the point also, Melissa, that I wrote, like when she started talking about how she thought like she was going to be Wonder Woman and like she was not going to be affected by it. Like, I totally understand her thinking in that because there are so many moments in my life where I'm like, I'm I, people are, I'll be fine though. Like yes. I'll get this thing and everything will be okay. But like I said, I wrote though, but I'd be grounded enough in reality to know not to have someone to stay over. Like, even yeah. if I was like, I'm going to be fine doing chemo, there would be enough reality in my head to be like, I might not be, mm-hmm. I will probably be fine, but I might not be. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw any like wrenches into the cogs to make anything go wrong. She just, I feel like she didn't have the react. She's so much like I can do it. I can do it. But it's like, you have cancer, honey, you need to ground down a little bit. This is serious. And I don't feel like she, maybe this episode grounds her, but I feel like up until here, she wasn't really thinking in reality. Yeah, no, totally. But it hurts my heart. Christina, don't do this to yourself. (laughs) Don't do this to yourself. It was hard to watch her like that. Like, like you said, Kayla props to, you know, Monica Potter and the, but like, my God, when she was on the floor in that one scene, when Max rushed in, I, I felt just like Adam did when he was like chasing after her, like like furious, like what are you doing? And yeah. I, I wonder if sometimes I'm not patient enough with Max, but then sometimes I wonder if they're not, you know, disciplined enough with him because I, I do, I mean, uh, not being an expert, I have to wonder how much of this is autism, but how much of this is sort of just being allowed free reign and not having a replacement for Gabby, you know? And, and it just, it makes me worried because I thought, I would have been incredibly upset. Someone's on the floor having just thrown up and then he's just like, why are you on the floor? That's disgusting. And like, you know, and, and although I did also think that's probably a very realistic scene, reaction. reaction. Yeah. yeah. Like where he would be focused well, on that part. It hurts me so much when Adam says, I'm so sorry, honey, because it, to me, that read as I'm so sorry, I let our children see you this way. Yeah. And God. it just shot me through the heart. Like I'm not, I'm so sorry you're on the floor and you're sick. It was like, I'm so sorry. I let our children see you in a vulnerable position. Yeah. And I just, every time he delivers it, I'm like, Oh God. Cause his voice starts to crack. And I'm just like, Oh God, yeah. that's gotta be the worst. You don't want your children to see you in that state and to have him see it, whether he registered it or not. I mean, it just, yeah, ugh, that whole scene just breaks my heart. It was very yeah. well done and very moving and so sad. And we joked prior to recording. Amy's like, thanks for making me watch this incredibly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, we're so sorry. It is. It's not on Hulu is just scarring to look at. Yeah. yeah. And that was probably one of the most realistic uh, throwing up like scenes I've ever seen. I thought that was very yeah. realistic, really intense. Yeah. Well, let's go to a slightly less tense couple. <laughs> Jasmine and Crosby and this <laughs> these two. This felt like a storylineette to me, like not <laughs> quite a full-fledged. It was pretty sitcom-y, wasn't it? It was, you know, yeah. like here's the nagging wife and the lazy husband. You know, it was just yeah. kind of, yeah. Well, and let's discuss this fight. I which, you know, I think I'm gonna even preface it. I'm not gonna say this after you hear it. I'm gonna say it before. This is basically the dishwasher fight. Again. Yes, it is. I wrote that too. No, I didn't realize it takes 30 minutes to wrap five napkins. What? I'm I'm here. I'm I'm just done now. Look. Good. Finito. Okay. Good. Now I need you to go to the store. I need some sparkling lemonade and flowers. 
I gotta go to the store right now. The party's not until tomorrow. The, honey, the game is on. Sweet, I'm watching, I'm watching that. I don't that. care about the game, I need you to go now. You know what, you're right. Tomorrow's ruined. We might as well ruin today too. Let's make it a whole crapshoot for the whole oh, weekend. God. You know what, this isn't fair. You want everyone to think that you're such a great parent, but you want to do the work. Oh. You're a freeloader. Oh, That's oh, I'm a freeloader. Yes, you are. Really, you know what you are? What? You're a dictator. Oh, yeah, please, a dictator of please. my time. Have you failed to notice that I've been basically working two jobs since Adam left? Yes, you have. Me. That's why I only asked you to do a couple of things. You okay. can't even do I that. I worked at three in the morning last night. I worked at four in the morning the night before that. This weekend, it's all I got. And you've overscheduled me to hang out with people I don't even like. It's one stupid weekend. Yeah, my stupid weekend. It was your idea. Oh, it was my idea. You want to do this. Okay, yeah. That sounds like me. Yeah. Let's have strangers over. <laughs> I swear. This is one of those fights where you want to shake them both and be like, everyone sit down and take a damn breath. Yeah. Yeah. I understand just Jasmine's frustration, like about asking him to do things and he's like taking forever. Cause I'm like, okay, I, like get things done. Why on earth do you need flowers and sparkling lemonade at what looks like 11 PM at night? Like flowers will not be fresh the next morning. Get them in the morning for the day. Yeah. They're going to be ruined by the time the party happens. And can you just ask someone to pick sparkling lemonade up on the way? Like, why do you need that right now? I'm with Rosie. Like, what do you need that right now for? I kind of wondered the same thing. I, I was like, okay, I get the frustration of you're doing far more work because this why is this party an authentic Italian dinner? First of all, like so order pizza or something. I did. I couldn't figure that out. And I'm simplify. like, yeah, simplify it. But I'm guessing she's cooking the entire dinner and that's intense. Yeah. But I also thought, wouldn't a person just say sometime today, these are all the things I need. <laughs> I understand your frustration, but plan, bitch. Make a list and don't make multiple trips. Make a list. Yes. Because it's like in the morning, it's like, go get these chairs. Couldn't he have gotten the sparkly lemonade while he was getting the chairs? Like one trip. Yes. I just, yeah. Yeah. I, I okay. wrote down. I'll agree more. Make a list. Another, yeah, <laughs> I wrote down another version of the same thing. I was like, I'm probably more on Crosby's side, even though I did see both of their sides. Yeah. And I was like, probably because I'm just more like Crosby than mm -hmm. I am like Jasmine. And it one pet peeve of mine definitely is if you're going to ask for my help on something that I don't care about, you have to let me help in my way. You can't say. Interesting. Will you let me, will you yeah. give me a hand with this? Okay, now do it this way. N no, either <laughs> if I'm helping you, I'm going to help. You yeah. don't get to say I'm helping wrong. Because then you can just done. do it. But of course, that would imply only Jasmine is having the party. But it seems like they're both having the party. I do wish we knew whose idea it really was. Yeah, because, okay. Yeah. I was just asked this because she says your idea. And then he's like, wait, my idea. And I'm like, wait, wait, whose idea was it? Well, and see, that's an instance where I am just with my knowledge of those characters. I am more inclined to believe Jasmine. Yeah. yeah. I bet you're like, yeah, Crosby just probably tossed this idea out. He yeah. maybe wasn't thinking it through. Yeah. Didn't realize what weekend it was going to be. Kind of yeah. like Christina, you know? Yeah, but yeah. I bet, I was like, Jasmine doesn't seem like the type to say, I never said I was going to do this. Anyway, yeah. it also yeah. made me think back to our conversation with Meryl, a previous guest, about how she and her husband had some conversations about adjusting the division of labor mm -hmm. among household chores and things. And I, I would imagine it's different in a marriage where like the favor might be a specific one-time thing, but the team involved 
in like tackling that is going to be the same team over and over mm-hmm. for everything that comes up. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, you'll save yourself a lot of stress if you just figure out a system that works for everyone. Here's how we're going to divvy this up. Here's yeah. how much I get to say, you know, it needs to be done this way. Here's the deadlines I get to set. And here's the flexibility you have. Like little things I noticed just listening to it again. Like when he said, I'm watching a game and she says, I don't care about the game. And I thought, well, but he does. You, right. don't, you can't you can't just say that. And then on the flip side, Jasmine clearly cares about this. Crosby, I get that you don't, but you married each other. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought, Melissa, was it you? You know, I said this is like the dishwasher fight all over again. Was it you who said that you and Mark basically have the same fights about yeah. the same things? Yeah. Because of that, I thought, I kind of like that it's the dishwasher it. fight all yeah. over again. Yeah. Because I believe they would fight about this. And they're probably yeah. always going to fight about it. I like it better that it wasn't just a plot device to make him go sleep with Gabby. I like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I like that this is just how they fight sometimes. It gets ugly. And I thought, as much as I don't really necessarily, well, I shouldn't say it's unhealthy. It's not how I would like to fight. That's not how Mark and I fight, where we're just like screaming at each other and calling each other dictators. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was like not great. <laughs> but at the same time, I do think it shows real growth that the way they got over it was the opposite of sleeping with Gabby and sleeping Good on point. the boat and, you know, Jasmine going to her aunts or whatever. Like it was just buying a house for the other one. <laughs> right. Yeah. They they just it was a lot simpler where they just They're sort growing. of laughed. Yeah. They had bit. the party. She was annoyed <laughs> with them at the party because, you know, everyone's like Crosby's amazing. And she's like, I'm going to kill him. But then the party was fun. The guests left and they laughed together. And she yeah. just stuck him with the work to clean up, which is also fair. I, I thought so. I was paying attention in the episode, but I wrote at one point, I was like, wait, did we resolve this? Or was it like, it just didn't. Yeah. It just magically happened off screen. And then they just were like laughing at the end. And I was like, did I miss like a conversation or did we just like everyone let it go? I feel like maybe, I mean, Crosby was so resentful about the party, but then every scene at the party, he's clearly having so much fun. And so I think maybe he was like, my weekend wasn't ruined. I, this is fun. That's kind of what I chalked. Well, and I also, this is an aspect of the storyline that I actually wished they would have delved into much deeper. I'm not sure if he was having fun, but he was a hit. Mm. And I'm sure he likes that. And what I wanted to know more about was Crosby's dragging his feet, preparing for the event. But when it actually arrives, he's the life of the party. And that clearly bugged Jasmine yeah. in the moment. Because like she did all the work. Yeah. You know, busted her butt to make it a hit and then all anyone can do is just rave to her about how great her freeloader husband is. <laughs> and it felt to me like what I imagine Zeke and Camille's life and mm. marriage must have been like. Oh, that's good. That's a good parallel, Kayla. Yeah, because yeah. Camille once said, you know, Zeke's such a big personality that she got swallowed up a little bit. Yeah. She hoped some of his like gregariousness would rub off on her. Yeah. And I just was fascinated by that parallel. Yeah. I'm a little bummed that it wasn't explored more. And and I think that would even be, maybe it's just another conflict, not instead of the, like, who's doing the work. Because that felt like a real fight. But I also want to deal with, like, does Jasmine really resent that? Or, or was she able to just brush it off? Like, eh, well, that's Crosby. It's one of the things probably that drew her to him in the first place. Yeah, I'm sure. It's interesting, like, but. not to get, like, religious about it, but my mom brings this up. I was raised Catholic, and my mom was raised Catholic, but there's a story in the Bible about Mary and Martha, who are sisters. And yeah. I don't know if you guys know this story, but it's, like, Mary 
spends the whole day preparing for the arrival of Jesus and she's prepping the food and getting everything ready. And then he arrives and she's still getting things ready. And Martha just sits down and starts entertaining him Mm. and starts laughing with him and talking with him. And Mary starts to be like, what the hell? Like I've been preparing, (laughs) she probably didn't say hell, but she's like, what? I've been like preparing everything. And now you just get to sit here. And I have two sisters and my youngest sister and I are the ones that help my mom get planned and everything. And the middle one sort of comes in and entertains everybody. And we always used to get annoyed because we're like, we're the ones that are doing all this work. And here's Katie, like Miss Social Butterfly all over the place. Yeah. And my mom would bring up the story. And I guess the moral of the story is that like, there's rewards in both. It's like prepare and do all the prepping stuff, but don't forget to, I mean, in the Bible, it's like to engage with Jesus and to talk with him and to learn his teachings. And it's like, everybody has their role. There are the Mm -hmm. people that gain things from preparing and getting things ready. And then there are the people who are supposed to entertain when the people arrive and it's a balanced role. You just have to look at it from that perspective of like, like they're doing as much work as I'm doing. They're just doing something different. So that's something that was brought up in my family quite a bit. <laughs> it's <laughs> no, funny. My dad, my dad wrote a song about that story. My Did dad he really? like yeah. a songwriter too. And I, I think you got the sisters flipped because my dad's song Mary was called Martha, that... Martha. Okay. Okay. So Martha, oh, Martha, Martha, <laughs> won't you be my child? Do you think I want you slaving over me? Oh, oh. Caleb, I need to hear this song. I need you to send it. To it's me. a, it's a good song. But it's a good, par- it's a good parable. And it's a good, yeah. for like Zeke and Camille. And then also for Crosby and Jasmine, it's like, those are, I don't know if the writers were intending it, but those are just two perfect examples of like a gregarious person and then a planning person and how they work together to make things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if they have that system well honed, that could be a great balance. Right. A planner and then someone who's really present in the moment. Yeah. But if you're not on this quite the same page, you could really end up hating each other. Probably the planner hating. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's about what happens because the entertainer is unaware of what's going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I did think it was interesting, even though we're saying it's like the lightest story and maybe even a storyline at, I, I especially thought the fight was interesting, how dark it kind of got, you know, I mean, it reminded us of their worst fight ever and it resolved much better. Of course, we, we already said that, but I just thought it is interesting that they'll still go to those places. And I wonder what we take away from that. I mean, it's probably just realistic. Some people probably do fight kind of passionately. Well, the word freeloader felt really biting. Like, I just feel like if it's like such a dig at somebody, especially because he is working really hard and he is trying to pull his weight. And it's like to call someone a freeloader just feels like one step beyond dismissive of like, you're not even doing anything to help me. And it's like, he's, he's doing some things he's trying. So I don't know, something about that word just felt really particularly nasty for someone to say. Yeah, that's true. I think that I maybe saw it more from Jasmine's point of view because my husband is the one who would be cooking. If we had like a big party, he would be the one doing the bulk of the work. And so I would have my guilt kicked in that he was already doing so much. So if he asked me to help in any way, I would be like, yep, I'll do it right now. And that would just be where I would go. And I, Good point. yeah, I just thought it was interesting that Crosby felt resentful. I'm like, you're not really recognizing how much she's doing. So yeah. I did see that. Yeah. I also thought of you, Melissa and Mark in that final scene when she was leaving him with all the cleanup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I know, I know that Mark always does all the cooking, but sort of the bargain you've worked out is you 
always yes. clean up, yes. right? Yes, always. Yeah. Unless I'm like sick or something. And then he does the cleanup too. And I'm like, wait, I'll get up and I'll do it. He's like, you sit there. But like, yes, any normal time I do the cleanup. And see, that to me yeah. feels like, great. They worked out an arrangement. Mm-hmm. Mark likes to cook and don't didn't I mean you have poems about washing I dishes. I like washing dishes. I'm a real I'm <laughs> yeah, a real so weirdo. I find win, it closest yeah. to meditation that I could possibly I like get. it too. It is. It's very therapeutic. You get everything clean. It's yeah. Very nice. Yeah, you can just space out or listen to music or a podcast and just yeah. yeah. So I'm with you, Melissa. I'm with you. <laughs> um, also just a sidebar when the kids are at that party and Max just screams out, can you get me some tiramisu? I was just, <laughs> are we still? Yeah, it was excessive. Another example of like, Max, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. That's a good point. I did think it was very sweet how Jasmine, like, she looks a little bit like, oh my God, at first when they arrive, but then her instinct is just to take Nora and it, that did make me kind of tear up. I thought that was really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, presumably they knew she was going through chemo. So if Adam shows up with all the kids, like obviously her brain hopefully was like, oh, something's wrong. I yeah. got to help. Like, yeah. Maybe <laughs> I won't yell at him as much for going through my yeah. underwear. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. It's a hard time for everyone. His wife, his wife is sick. He's in a weird headspace. He can look at the underwear, whatever he needs to do to get through it. <laughs> That's his medicinal marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> so, you wipe the pot and take my underwear and get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, we were discussing this in the last episode, wondering about how Sydney was going to adapt yes. to having this brother and we hadn't seen much of it. And then like clockwork, we have that <laughs> issue being addressed in this week's episode. Did you think just overall, or like especially at the beginning, was Sydney's frustration understandable or is she just being a little brat? I had mixed feelings about it because I feel like she did show quite a bit of restraint and patience at the baseball game. It felt like she has been really with the tools given to her by her parents in terms of like not being a spoiled child. Cause she is a spoiled child. So she only knows so much <laughs> because they quite frankly created the monster. Yeah. So I thought with the tools that she's been given up until this point in her life, she did a fairly good job of saying, okay, I'll stay for the baseball game. I'll stay and we'll go have lunch with his friends, but then we're going skating. Like she got pushed to a point where it's like, okay, now the parents need to sort of go, oh, we're doing, we're neglecting and we're, we need to be paying attention to both of them. But this is such a tricky situation because you want that kid to feel so included. And once he's on a roll, you don't want to stop the roll. So yeah. it's such a, I feel bad for them trying to balance it all, but poor Sydney, she's a kid and she hasn't, she hasn't been given the tools to deal with this sort of feeling. So yeah, that's how I feel about her. I but think that's really wisely observed. In like the last few days, I've started watching clips from the Dog Whisperer on <laughs> YouTube. Caesar Milan. I never watched. Yes, Caesar Milan. <laughs> and I never watched the Dog Whisperer. I don't have dogs. I don't really want dogs. But I, I just find it interesting and Sort of like Super Nanny or Nanny 911, which I have watched plenty of in the past. Those are good. I always loved those shows. I mean, like the saying is, you know, there are no bad dogs, just bad owners. But it really is true. And then it's kind of the same deal with kids. Because what I always loved about like Super Nanny or something 
the parents are always like, my kid is out of control. You got to come fix my kid. And like 100% of the time, <laughs> it's the parents that need yeah. to be fixed. Yes. The parents yeah. are doing something wrong. I mean, and, and like you said, it has created either habits or behaviors or yeah. not equipped kids with the tools they need to handle things in a better way. Yeah. But it's not the kid's fault right you know directly I always think it's like a kid's fault up until a point like a kid can be up until they're like an adult they turn into an adult then they have a choice to either like look back and be like oh my parents kind of screwed me over I need to grow in a different way and try and resolve all these issues I have or they just continue those patterns and they become like unbearable adults to be around yeah then raise kids like yeah then then the cycle continues so like at some point in your adulthood you have to make a choice of like am I defined by my horrible parenting or am I going to choose to like live a better life and be a better person? So Sydney's still in the beginning stages where I'm giving her a couple passes of like, she's got some things to learn and she can, (laughs) they've got some things to learn and how to handle her, her outbursts. But hopefully they do that because otherwise teenage are going to be fine. That's true. (laughs) I had some interesting, like, I, I don't know. I felt like I could relate to Sydney in a few ways. Like, well, first of all, I thought it was interesting that my brother is adopted, but I've never felt like he was adopted before. And I've mentioned this before, but it's because, you know, he was there before I was. He was there 11 years before I was. Um, He's 11 years older and he was adopted as a baby. So to me, it's not, it's not the fact that they're not blood that is making her say he's not my brother. It's the fact that he's brand new or at least, you know, not, not even here a year. And they keep calling him her brother, which I get that. That's how they see it. They see him as their son, but maybe to Sydney, it doesn't feel that way. And I will say, here's the weird way I can relate. So even though my brother is technically adopted, I could, he's my brother. I would never, ever say he wasn't. But I do remember that for a very short amount of time, my mom was married to a horrible person and he was not my dad, you know, and he had a daughter and she was perfectly nice and everything, but she wasn't my sister. I don't know. Like I remember, um, at a family wedding long time ago, like 2006, this is when my mom was married to him. And somebody asked me like, Oh, how many siblings do you have? And I said, one, I have a brother. And my husband, Mark was like, you know, who was my boyfriend at the time, but he was like, well, I mean, you also have your stepsister. And I thought, do I? Yeah, I don't know. And that maybe that's terrible. But I mean, they got married when I was in my 20s and I didn't like him. And I was, you know, and nothing against his daughter. But I just it felt strange to suddenly be like, I have a sister. Like, and, and I just wonder if Sydney, when she said that, it might sound to most people like the worst thing in the world she could have said. He's not my brother. But I thought, well, you know, Victor said it to Joel. You're not my dad. They are still right. figuring this out. And I think adoption when a kid is older is a beautiful thing, but I also think, well, it's not instant. It's not like you invite someone into your home and then immediately everyone feels related to each other. That takes a little time, I would think. Yeah. So. Well, I think we're forget. It's like, she's only like nine or 10 too. So it's like, you're saying like, she's just a kid. So she's not going to like accept things or understand things as quickly as an adult is going to. So, and I imagine like, if that was your stepsister when you were little and people were trying to force on you, like, that's your sister, that's your sister. There would have been like a little bit of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like she's that's give me a second to adjust. Yeah. Get to know her before I just say like, oh, she's my sister. 
Yeah. So I'm sure that's what it is. It's like a little bit of like, whoa, 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 hold on. I, I've just met this guy. Like I got to bond with him and get to know him before I can say, okay, he's my brother now. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed that I had, had to say it kind of, I don't know, bugs me is too strong, but it catches my ear almost every time is that Joel and Julia are constantly reinforcing verbally Victor's relationship to other family members. Like, hey, Victor, your mom asked you to mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Or, hey, Sydney, just let your brother, blah, blah. They're always slipping in that relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been assuming that the show is doing that in lieu of showing us all the time that those people spend together and the stuff they do together to forge those relationships. But I thought if the characters are actually doing that for the same reason, that would grate on me. And, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. a little thing. And I don't think it excuses something as cruel as he's not my brother. No. Yeah. But I, I would also think if you have to say it over and over again, I think it's because in some sense, you don't really buy it either. Yeah. So stop trying so hard. The way you treat fan, I don't know that I have ever talked about my sisters to like my parents or the other sister as saying, well, you know, my sister, Jay. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I would just say, you know, Jay. Right. Because <laughs> we all know who Jay is. Yeah. yeah. Sydney knows who Victor is and what his role there is. It's like the lady doth protest too much. If you can't, yeah. well, your brother, your brother, your brother. Leave yeah. me alone. I did stop notice. Trying, stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice how many times in that cold open or, you know, like just the very first scene when she's already disappointed that they're not going skating, that they're like, well, your brother's game, he, your brother did this, your brother, it was a bunch. And then yeah. it's like she kind of exploded there, you know? And yeah. again, I, a, yeah. Like she gets pushed to a certain point. It's like, you can only, and like Caleb was saying, like, don't, don't force it. Like, let it naturally happen. You can accept him as your son and say, we're your parents now, but the other relationships need to be formed naturally or else yeah. you're going to get an explosion like Sydney did. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the opposite side, to be telling, like, I remember Joel saying sometime to Victor, hey, your mom asked you to pick up, I don't know what it was. I also wonder, like, is that insulting to his birth mother, mm. who he, right? you know, he remembers he her. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, you know, he was a baby and has no recollection of her. Right. He was, I think we're supposed to assume he was just with her up until very recently. Yeah. yeah. Like, be respectful and. Uh, yes, that is Julia's role now for sure. But yeah. yeah, I think everyone just needs some time. Wasn't he an emergency adoption? He yeah. came like in the middle of the night. So clearly yeah. something happened, like she was taken away or something. And so, yeah, that's yeah. fresh off. Like he may not be ready to call Sydney his sister. So don't, yeah. don't force kids to try and accept something before they're ready to like mentally absorb it. Yeah, but they can be civil. They yeah. can yeah. behave yes. themselves. Yes. Yeah. I mean, definitely give a consequence for for that behavior, but I think they're also yeah. right to question why she's doing that behavior. But I real quick wanted to say, I mean, I'm remembering season one, Crosby is, you know, Jabbar's biological father, and he called him Crosby until the season one finale. Right. It was a big deal when he was like, I guess I could call you daddy. And Crosby's like, oh, I would love that. I mean, isn't that way better for someone to get to know you and then choose it, right? This is, Ah. I choose you as my my father, even though it was already technically true. I think it's good to, you know, like what if they were just Joel and Julia to Victor until he was like, you know what? I'm going to call you mom and dad, you know? And and I I just think that would be better. Yeah. 
much more powerful that way too. Yeah. But, and then I loved at the end when they do take her skating, when it's like they <laughs> give her this whole speech about like, okay, you've got to be nice to bro. We got to include him. And she's like, okay, okay. And then they're like, should we get him some hot chocolate? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, oh God. I loved it. We really learned our lesson there. <laughs> I thought that kept it from being like, cue the full house music and, yeah. and everything's all perfect. And now she understands. I'm like, you didn't fix it. It's not, yeah. it's going to take time. I'm yeah. not ready. No. Well, yeah, I wondered, is this the most lackluster resolution to a storyline ever? You know that Uncle Adam and Uncle Crosby are my brothers, right? Yeah. Okay. So, when we were kids, we used to fight, <laughs> and they would make me so mad. But now, it's so cool to have brothers. I can't even tell you, it's so cool. Yeah, and you know, Victor, even though he's new to our family, He's as much a part of this family as you are, as I am, as your mom is. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get it. Okay. That's my girl. I used to not like my brothers, but now I do. Victor's <laughs> your brother. The end. <laughs> it really felt what? like they were like, improv a little something about how much you love your brothers. And like, that was Erica Christensen improv. <laughs> and of course we don't hear shit about Joel's family. <laughs> No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, we have, Does no he idea. have siblings. Did yeah. he have? Yeah, it was very that whole speech. Got a dead mom. Like, we know that. Yeah, I was like, what's the point of this speech that we're given? Like, I hated them and now I love them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so time, time okay. is all I have to deal with, and then I'll, I'll eventually love him. There's, yeah. There's no real like, again, no tools given to her in how to handle this situation. Right. Right. Just like, uh, here's what's gonna happen, and just let it happen. And she's like. Okay, I guess I get it. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I agree. It was, I mean, it was, I think it was nice of them to take her on like a special day. Yes. Yeah. I didn't, like, I, I totally got where Julia was coming from when she said, well, that's rewarding bad behavior. But I thought that's only if you're looking at the behavior and not the right. reason for the behavior. I was happy Joel came in and was like, okay, but maybe she was behaving that way because of, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's analyze it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, would be real tricky. Cause I thought, you know, if a child's, cause I think Julia's point is a good one, but I was like, how do you address the real issue? If your kid has a tantrum about a legitimate issue, how do you address that legitimate issue without sending them the message that the inappropriate tactic worked? Yeah, because I think Sydney's upset about something that she has a right to be upset about. Right, and I also think a tantrum is a bad way to communicate that. Yeah, you can't just ignore what she's upset about. So I don't know. Yeah, so I appreciated their attempt. It, it there felt- are ways to like validate her feelings and say like, "Hey, we get why you're upset. We messed up. We need to like talk about this, blah blah." But you cannot react that way, and you can't make someone feel that way just because you're feeling that way. It's that like kick the dog theory. Like there's ways to go about it that could be helpful to her in terms of going forward and dealing with this new situation, this new family that don't include like, I hated your brothers and now I love them. Like that (laughs) was not not the thing to do, but no. I wondered, did either of you ever run away from home? Yes. (laughs) Yep. I have a vivid memory. I used to live at the top of a hill and it called Havenhurst. And I went all the way down to the bottom of the hill one time with a backpack on. And then turned around and came back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I did too. I was five and I don't remember why I ran away, but um, I remember it was like August and I wore my fake pink fur coat because I was like, it will get cold eventually because I'll be gone so very long. But I brought nothing. You know, I didn't have food or money or anything. And I like literally was just in the backyard and my mom was like, what's happening? And yeah. so I think yeah. my mom watched me like walk down the hill and then like watch me walk back up. And I was like, <laughs> really made a statement with that one, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I made a few half-hearted attempts. I don't think I ever took anything with me which I think just goes to show how little I probably even meant it at the time. Like I knew what I was doing. You I were going to figure put, it out. Just putting on a little show. I just was like, felt aggrieved and wanted people to know. I mean, of course, I don't remember what prompted them. Oh yeah. my gosh. A sibling thing was probably mine. I can't stand this sibling. I got to get out of this house. We used to be fine. It's just me. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Probably similar to Sydney. It used to be about me. <laughs> oh my god! When she her performance, though, I just got to commend her for a second. Yeah. When she starts crying and is like, "Stop laughing! It's not funny." I was like, "Oh, baby girl!" And then her whole little scene where she's crying was so good. Where are you going, sweetie? Molly's house. Uh, how are you getting there? I'm taking a taxi. Okay, maybe I'm not sure there's uh, taxis out this late, huh? And they need money? You need money for yep. a taxi? I have piggy bank money. Stop it, it's not funny. You guys are so mean. <laughs> no, sweetie. Yeah, we're not laughing. Come on. Okay, hey, hey, Sid hey. Sydney, come back here. You said after the baseball game, Victor time would be over. It'd be my time. We were supposed to go skating. You said you were quitting your job so you can spend more time with us. No. What you really meant is you want to spend more time with Victor. Oh, sweetie, that's not true. Yes, it is. You you went to his baseball game instead of my recital. You let him do anything he wants. And in case you forgot, I was here first. She continues to impress me so much. I thought the same thing. Like, I didn't think Joel and Julia were being cruel from my vantage point. I thought, it, you know, they were like, oh, she's so sweet. Like, but that is yeah, to a kid. Money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to a kid, that is condescending. She's like, yeah. these are yeah. real feelings that I am sharing with you and you yeah. are not taking them seriously. But she doesn't have the words to say that. So instead she says, stop laughing. You're so mean, you know? And, yeah. and I thought, oh, that did... She really, and I think that's why I didn't get more upset with her. Like, cause I'm thinking I'm kind of harsh with Max and, in this episode and I'm pretty understanding of Sydney and arguably he's not my brother is maybe a worse thing to say than shut up Nora. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like Max, I should be understanding because of the, the autism. I do get that. But I feel like he's been in this situation for a long time. I mean, maybe the cancer. Yeah. That's a, that's a new element, but I don't know something about Sydney's well, situation. Parallel, yeah. again, like we're saying like he, Max is, and like you guys were saying, like, where's the other behavioral therapist? Max is another one who's not quite getting the tools he needs yes. to survive in this world. Like my sister has ADHD. She's not autistic, but we had AIDS. She had a, an art therapist, a music therapist, a regular therapist, a behavioral person who came after school. Like my mom did every research and everything she could do to help Katie thrive in this world. Yeah. And she had all of that through high school. And she's now living by herself in Burbank. She works for Netflix. She's got a great job. She's in it. Like she was given the tools to, to function and to function, not just like 
in work and in jobs, but like emotionally to handle her emotions and to yeah. know when things are inappropriate and not appropriate. But the parents have, you have to give your children the tools to do that. Yeah. They don't know unless then they watch TV and they learn it from that, or they learn it from outside factors, which are not reliable. So if you really want to teach them, mm-hmm. you got to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. I especially thought that with Max and Christina in this episode, because a few episodes ago, Max brought up himself something about chemotherapy, even before she knew she was going to have it. He said, you know, it kills the healthy cells too, right? And it Mm -hmm. seemed to be an indication that he was concerned about this, even though he doesn't know how to express that per se. So the way he expresses it is by like throwing out a fact and seeing if his mom knew it. And I thought, you know, Max is so smart. You can always... Maybe this is my mistake because I have zero training or, you know, familiarity with this. But it seems to me like, well, if you can reason with him, he's so smart that I think he he would understand that. Yes. I would certainly think he'd understand your mom just had chemotherapy. You know what the side effects of chemotherapy are, don't you? So we are all bracing for some of those side effects. Let's see which one's mom as yeah and let's be accommodating to that I, I don't know I think that's interesting too though Caleb because I feel like parents always want to hide stuff from their kids and like not tell their kids things but I think that's just in some cases with Max especially it's like the the correct thing to do would be to give him as much information as possible yeah, true. Yeah. because for someone as smart as Max the more information he has the more he can process and go oh she's going to be really sick and throwing up and she might get cold and clammy, whatever it is, like give him information. Don't hide things from him because you think it's going to protect him. Right. Information is what's going to protect him. That's what's going to help him process it. Yeah. You know, we're not, and when you're you're not in the situation, it's hard to say that you would tell your autistic kid or sit him down and explain it to him. But from the outside, it's like, yeah, that would make a little bit more sense, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah. I speak from no experience of children, (laughs) chemotherapy or any kind of therapy. I'm not a therapist. These are just things we're observing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's observe Amber and Ryan, please. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no kudos for that segue that was pretty great yes <laughs> okay it's okay well. just a heads up before we dive in while discussing this storyline we are going to be discussing issues around suicide okay i thought that amber inviting herself which is basically what she did yeah. at the beginning actually thought she pulled that off really well mm-hmm. it yeah. felt really heartfelt not pushy it definitely felt like an offer rather than like she had some kind of agenda mm-hmm. it felt like she had totally left the door open for ryan to say no i need to do this by myself yeah but i i always think melissa about times when you've said you know there are lots of kinds of intimacy mm. and i remember you specifically saying once grieving with someone is a form of intimacy and that right off the bat in this episode was running through my head because I thought this is a very intimate step. Oh my gosh, yeah. Very early on. And like, even though they have slept together, in a way, I almost feel like, yeah, okay, so you had sex. Mm -hmm. This is really laying yourself bare before someone. I completely agree. So it was was intense. I've written I love May Whitman like all over my notes. This is, she just, (laughs) Oh my is God. So friggin' good in this episode. Yeah. And playing that sort of, like you said, Caleb, like she's just there. She's not pushing herself on him, 
but she is making him know that she's here mm-hmm. to do anything that he may need or emotionally, physically, whatever it is. She is there, but she's not in your face. I also wrote, cause I know that in interviews May Whitman has talked about what a big Friday night lights fan she is. And so I've just felt like really glad she's getting to live out her Friday night. Light <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> like really, really happy for her in these moments that she's getting to just make out with all the hot guys from Friday night. Lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I felt the exact same way. I was like, this relationship is so fast. And I'm not even saying that as a criticism. Like, I don't actually know if I think it's okay or not. You know, I I just, it's just an observation for now, I guess. But yeah, I wrote another example of how intense this relationship is. The opposite of going slow, (laughs) like on just every level. It's, it's, we are in it. You know, I feel like some relationships, oh, we go on a few dates here or there. Oh, maybe four months later, we're serious. I'm like, how long have they been together? Like a week, two weeks, you know, they're just already very, very close. And yeah. That feels very much like Amber though. It's like when she's in it, she's in it a million percent. Like she doesn't do anything like slow or half-assed. It's like, if she's given you her heart and who she is, she's given it to you hundred it's full force she's coming at you full force yes which is great but also i think risky mm-hmm. yeah um i did when they're driving on the canyon ma'am you're driving on a canyon please keep your eyes on the road because <laughs> yeah very nervous yeah no totally we're on a canyon <laughs> don't look at you don't need to look at them. look at the road <laughs> look at the road i know that happens all the time on tv i'm like god people all the time can have conversations when they're driving without looking at each other i don't know why in tv you can't <laughs> i don't know look out it's because they're being hauled by another right car. right <laughs> it's they're not literally <laughs> driving yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right but if we're supposed to suspend disbelief and believe that yeah. they're not being hauled then they should not take us out of the moment to be worrying about them crashing to their death so <laughs> Which is all I was thinking about in that entire scene. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The funeral is in Bakersfield, which you may remember is where the family spent the night on their way to visit Blanche in Road Trip, season three, episode 12. How about that? We used to stop in Bakersfield on our way to summer camp because it was the halfway point on our bus from Los Angeles to Chico, California. Oh. Did you guys know pretty early that he had killed himself? Like- I got it like the second he walked in and said, my friend died. Like I, the way that he presents the information to her, I'm like, this is something serious. Cause he delivers it in such a way that he doesn't want to give too much information. Yes. Which I always think like, whenever you see an obit that says that that somebody died and they don't ever say how. And then, or like at home. 99.9% of the time, it's either drug overdose or a suicide. And it's just, people just don't want to mention it. They don't want to talk about it. So the way he was presenting the information to her, I was like, "Mm, yeah, something he it's either drugs or, or drugs and suicide or just, I mean, whatever it was, but it was something serious. Yeah. Yeah. I remembered from watching it before. So I can't remember the first time I saw it. Right. If I suspected it right away or not. Yeah. That's but in my mind, even before I like clicked on this episode, I thought, oh, this is the one where Ryan goes to his friend's funeral because he killed himself. I didn't remember it from the previous watch, or at least I don't think I did. Now now I'm realizing it's hard to know if like some kernel of that, you know, and and that's why I picked up on it because I remembered it. I didn't think I had. But I don't know that I taught Tim O'Brien's the things they carried when I watched it 
originally. And mm-hmm. it just really reminds me of a storyline in that book. And so I think I was kind of picking up on it when, when she says, Oh, he died here, like not over there. And I think I was like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's it. I think that's when I remembered or knew. I mean, I'm surprised it took her so long to sort of, or maybe she knew it sooner and she just didn't say anything, but it's like the last scene they have in this episode where she finally says he killed himself, didn't he? And I'm wondering if she picked up on that earlier or if that was really the first time that she it, she put all the pieces together because hmm. she's not dumb. She's no. a smart girl and she knows the whole horrors of war and what happens to people after it. So I'm surprised that like in the beginning, she didn't sort of start to put that together before the fight, which for the fight, I was like this fucking fight. Why do we have to get so worked up to this point, boys? Like why? I yeah. I did uh, find that believable though, and I'm not usually someone yeah. who likes fist fights. I mean, I keep referencing that dumb season three finale with uh, Crosby and Adam in the okay. living room. I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. But this one, I'm like, no, I buy that. I buy that these two very like these these men who have been to war and have been. This is how you resolve things, and we we don't talk about our feelings. We you know, I, well, and there's, it's so heightened already. I feel yeah, like, that yeah. they're gathered there for that. Yeah. Well, I bought it too. That fight when he just collapses onto the sidewalk and starts crying. Yeah. When Ryan just starts sobbing, I'm like, Oh, that's that, that, that was to me, I was like, Oh, this fight. And then the minute he started crying, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm allowing that because that was, that was a deep sadness that that is why he did that. Not so much an anger, just like a absolute despair. On the idea that one person's reaction would be anger at someone taking their own life and somebody else's would be to empathize and to, you know, not want to talk badly about him. You know, that that rang true to me as well. Like that felt like an honest conflict. Yeah. I wish I could remember when this episode aired, how culturally aware we were of suicide among veterans because when you know, we were discussing whether Amber should have known earlier or suspected, I was wondering, like, was that as well known or not? Yeah. It's something I did look up based on the storyline. The VA studies suicide among veterans and releases annual reports about it. And over the course of 2000 to 2010, they examined the number of suicides per 100,000 people. For non-veterans, the number among men was 209 but for veterans, it was 32.1. And among women, non-vets, the number was just 5.2. But for female veterans, it was 28.7. Wow. I also, I read at least one article where a psychologist who was also an Iraqi combat vet said there are all sorts of caveats and qualifications within these numbers. And while it's a serious problem, he worried that it contributes to a damaging stereotype about veterans. So I don't want to paint an overly bleak picture. The majority of veterans readjust well to civilian life. But across all age groups, their suicide rates are higher than those who never served. Of course. I believe that. I mean, yeah, that's just such a bigger commentary on what we do for PTSD for people that go through these things that that are not taken care of. And again, like you said, Caleb, like when were we made aware of these statistics of the, the high rates of them. And I think it was probably just swept under the rug for so long that people didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just easier to not talk about it or not blame the idea that like this institution of the army and the war, which I'm not against, I support the troops and think they're wonderful people, but there is, there's so much underneath that needs to be addressed. So to me, those statistics are horrible. They don't, it doesn't feel bleak to me. It feels like this is important information that we need to get out there because we need to address it and we need to do something about it. Yeah. And if anyone is deserving of our help as a society, you know, yeah. And like them, Melissa, they're not taught to express they're they're not again, not given the tools right. to express There's their a emotions. Theme. Well, and I yeah. thought you, something you just said, I picked up on in the scene with the soldiers all sitting around, Hughes, the guy who really had an objection to Evan getting mm-hmm. full honors. Yeah. He pointed to another guy in the circle who was missing a hand, yes, I think. A limb, yeah. And he said, you know, he has a reason to be upset. And so he was clearly making a separation between physical injuries and mental. And I thought that is telling. And uh, sadly, I think very believable. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I thought we need to get to a place, I think, where those things are viewed on more equal footing. Yeah. Well, and mental health is not viewed as like a taboo thing because it's like just because you can't see it doesn't mean that there's not someone suffering through something. So that it's so funny you say that because it also reminded me of on like New York City subways. Remember, they always have on those, like, offer your seat to someone elderly yeah. or with a disability and it would say, remember, all disabilities are not visible. Mm, yeah. 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 It's so true. It was a tough <sighs> storyline, but I thought they really handled it really well. And I just was so impressed with May's performance as a supporting person through all of that. Yeah. I love Ryan. I think Matt Loria is so, so good. He's just- really good. And he's so good at playing this, this soldier who's been through it and is struggling mentally, struggling physically, struggling with all of it. He just, he's really tapped into probably what I imagine that emotion is like when you've gone through war. So just kudos to both of them for their performances in this one. I gotta say, I, I, I can't begin to understand what it must be like to, to serve. I, I I really can't. And I don't think because you've watched a movie or read a book or, you know, like it's not the same, but I definitely think storytelling is sometimes the best way to, um, attempt. And I mentioned it before, but if, if anyone hasn't read the things they carried, it is such a unique book because Tim O'Brien, it's, it's not a memoir. It's a work of fiction, but it's based on his own life. And he calls the main character, Tim O'Brien. It's about Vietnam. And what I really love about it is he is constantly, addressing the audience. He has said in interview, like he is trying to explain what it was like as much as you can to someone who hasn't been through it. And it is largely a, a mental book. There aren't very many like battle scenes or anything. It is just describing what it is like in someone's head. And so I just feel like watching the storyline with some of that in my head made me think about things that he has said in that book, like how soldiers' biggest fears, at least from his perspective, it wasn't of dying or even killing, it was of blushing. Like things like that, that I'm like, God, that's wow. intense. Yeah, so. Yeah, I read I that. I read that book. Oh, <laughs> I read you? it on Melissa's recommendation. Oh, you did? And, <laughs> and I remember loving it. It was really good. Yeah. The scene with Ryan pounding on Hughes. Yeah. Was really intense. I beatings are by far the type of violence that disturbs me most. Yeah. Watching something. Also, when you see someone get to the point where you're like, they're not going to stop. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like until someone pulls them off because they are just zoned out, going, going, going. And you saw that change in his eyes and you were like, someone pull him off. He's not stopping. He's out. Yeah. 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 That would scare me if I were Amber, to be honest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is a because I, as I was watching it, I thought, oh, this is a capacity for violence that I truly don't possess. I don't yeah. I don't think I could be pushed to that point. Mm-hmm. Nor yeah. would I be very effective at it. I'm not strong, <laughs> you know. Caleb, but, you could beat someone up. You could do it. I believe in you. I could verbally, you know, <laughs> eviscerate someone. <laughs> yeah, but the words. I agree with you, though. These actors are both so great, and I felt, I, I mean, I felt bad for Ryan all throughout it, but particularly at the beginning of this scene. I'm really sorry that you had to see that last night. Hey, it's okay. No, no, no. It's, it's not okay. I get it. If uh, you don't want to be with me anymore, I mean, I, I understand. Hey. I'm not going anywhere, okay? Okay. Your friend, Evan, he killed himself, didn't he? Yeah. I only can't imagine what that's like in my I mean, just going in the opposite direction, talk about someone who was given the tools to learn how to handle trauma growing up with a probably abusive alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sarah gave her tools to help people and help herself in traumatic situations. Yes. She's been taught that. And so to throw her with someone who has been through a different type of trauma, but trauma nonetheless, she can handle it. Mm-hmm. She can absorb it. She can handle it. She knows how to process it and help him. And that's someone who's taken the tools she was given and is now applying them to her life to better her life. Yeah. yeah. One parent got it. That's <laughs> why I always say that I think she's the best parent of all of them. I really do. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're so right. I, I was taken with the way Amber related to him. Speaking as a, a layman, it, it seemed very healthy to me because it felt like she was gently coaxing him to open up, you know, to yeah. say, your friend, he killed himself, didn't he? I'm sure Ryan doesn't want to talk about it. Right. And yeah. he doesn't really open up about it in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she's planting that seed there. Like, we can talk about this. Right. And we will still be okay. So yeah. don't yeah. be afraid that you can't let me in to this yeah. part of your life. Like, I'm a safe place for you. And that's... Yeah. I just thought it was very supportive. And yeah. I felt so bad for Ryan at the beginning because it felt like he had a self-image of himself as like being damaged yeah. or something. When I think he should be proud of what he's done and what he's been through. It's not easy. And mm-hmm. I just 
felt like that must be awful. But then again, I felt like she she handled that so well. Yeah. And I also couldn't stop thinking about last week we were comparing Amber's relationship with Ryan to Hattie's relationship with Alex. Mm. And I was thinking about that in this scene and thinking this is just a lot for Amber to be confronted yeah. with yeah. and to feel responsible for. Yeah. She is older. Mm-hmm. Well, and like I said, she's gone through a bit more. Like trauma, she's also been exposed true, yeah. to a bit more. When you grow up with with an alcoholic, abusive father versus the family life that that Hattie grew up in, she's right. like, she was like Polly Pocket, Vanilla yeah. Polly Pocket over here. <laughs> but she's gone through a couple more things emotionally that have matured her quicker. So mm-hmm. she's ahead of the game in terms of like when she encounters people like Matt Laria or Ryan or you know it's she can handle it in a different way than Hattie, who's just like I don't know everything's sunshine and roses normally. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Amber's yeah. like, give me more things that go wrong. I'll keep throwing at me. Got it. I'll handle every single one. Oh. You know, this is maybe a strange thing to zero in on, but I am positive that this scene meant nothing to me the first time I watched this, like you know, in 2012. But um, the story that they're telling that is like, ah, oh, Evan, what a great guy. Remember that time we put ice cream in his shorts, tied him up, and then let dogs snack on the ice cream? I'm like, that doesn't feel like, oh, those scamps, you know? I was like, that seems troubling. This man died by suicide later. I mean, I'm not saying there's a connection. I'm sorry. That's a terrible thing to say. I thought the same thing. I was like, I didn't absorb this story the first time around, and this is a real rough story. Yeah. I just thought- <laughs> it, it's hazing. It reminded me of the Breakfast Club, where Emilio Estevez's character like tapes the guy's buns together, and <laughs> and he's like telling like that's what that's what I did to get into detention, and I'm like, that's not you guys all being on the same level, like messing with each other. That feel like that's your charming. Like let me tell you about Evan. This is the story. You know, I yeah. don't something about that. I didn't even know what to do with it. I'm I, I'm mentioning it because it really struck me, but I'm like, what do I make of that? I, I think Ryan's a wonderful person. I think maybe it's supposed to tell us that war is really harsh and like their ideas of fun are sometimes dark. Um, yeah. Are laden with a little bit of violence that is yeah. not really, like, yeah. but maybe that's what it is. It's like any, any sort of thing that happens in the wartime has an infusion of some type of like violence in it that yeah. just is normalized. This is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. The outside person, it's like, n- n- no, this could be contributing to what is affecting you. This right. is not normal. Yeah. I pulled at my own tiny random thread. <laughs> Amber says it's her first funeral. Oh, yeah. Oh, Caleb, I had notes about this. Go ahead. <laughs> well, for the first time, you know, the first funeral I ever went to was for my grandmother on my mom's side. It made me wonder about Seth's parents mm. for the first time ever. You know, we're always talking about the in-laws have no... That's true. We don't know anything about No Seth. family history. And I thought, well, he and Sarah went to high school together. So at least at one time, Seth's parents lived in Berkeley as well. What is their relationship with his kids? What's their relationship, if any, with him? You know, they didn't seem to be around or supportive during his rehab stint. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Yeah. If Amber didn't go to their funerals, I'm guessing they're alive. Unless wow. there was Good never point. any relationship. Yeah. In which case, 
then maybe she wouldn't have. I, but well, only Jabbar has a relationship with the other grandparent, like with with Renee. Oh yeah, but like grand- yeah, yeah. Joel's mom, we've learned, is dead. But what about Joel's dad? Is he also dead? They didn't mention it in that episode where they're talking about death. If both of his yeah. parents were dead, surely they would have said that instead of just focusing on his mother. And then Christina, you know, we were guessing that the dad is dead, but recently we found out what your mom is alive and just has she's just never. A bitch. She's just horrible. Oh, she's not. Yeah. So none of them have relationships except except for Jabbar with with Renee, which yeah. yay. I like Renee a lot. And he has I'm, an uncle too. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Love uncle. Yeah. But yeah, that is interesting. Jasmine's the only in-law with with family yeah. <laughs> that we meet. My note about funerals was how many has she only been to one? How many funerals had you guys been to by this point in your 20s? Because I I've been to at least five or six by this point in my life. Yeah. I will say by the time I was 20, uh, this is kind of dark, but my father had died and all four of my grandparents. Um, okay. Because my my um, my parents were older when they had me. And okay. so like my, my grandparents were in their 70s when I was born. So it's not surprising. <laughs> but it's just interesting that, yeah, I don't think I'd lost like a friend or anything like that but I I went to my grandparents um, yeah funerals. it just hit me as strange that this was her first one but maybe that's just I've maybe I've had a dark life too where I was like <laughs> you're in your 20s and you've only been to one funeral like that doesn't feel I would say my good. first was when I was nine years old but then my second was this year oh wow really wow so oh my god and oh. that was my first grandparent dying and then this year was my last grandparent dying oh now oh. there were two in there that i just didn't go to yeah and i also like i played a funeral for someone from my church in our hometown so i guess i went to that funeral but it wasn't for anyone that i like had any relationship wow. with i was working yeah well last but not least sarah mark drew this uh, whole ball of mess. This, this thing. <laughs> Guys, I went on a so, real roller coaster with this one. <laughs> it begins with Mark walking in on Drew and Amy having sex. Look, I'm really sorry about that. Dude, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry too. I didn't. Yeah, I thought you were you monitoring the SAT. Yes, I was. Like, I got off a little early. Um, wait, just, just wait a second. I, I, Drew, I just need to talk to you. I know that I'm not your dad, but I just want to make sure. Um, just between you and me, are you? You're you're being smart. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're wearing condoms. Is yes. That's yes. Okay. I'm, that's what smart. I thought okay. that's what you meant. Yeah. Good. Um. And uh, is is Amy on the pill or is what? That's no one's business. That's weird. Well, you kind of made it my business when you had sex in my house. If if she got All right, pregnant, I get it. I'm, I'm sorry. Kinda... Look, she has the. Prescription. She hasn't decided. Okay. So no, not right now. Well, if she does go on the pill, you might start to wonder what it feels like without a condom or yes, something. Do you, you wear condoms that. every time? Yes, or just it's sometimes? every time. Uh, okay. Because I, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't really know her that well. But there are STDs, and I, I know. Is Amy been with other oh guys? She's or? been with one other guy. Okay. No, I'm, sh- I'm, know, I'm so. sure it's fine. It's no judgment on her they're just you know you can still get stds if you get one you contract it for life i have to tell every other partner okay that is like will you not um will you not tell my mom how do you think mark handled this was he pressing for too many details or was he being (laughs) responsible now my controversial opinion that i do not like mark and sarah okay 
this is where I felt validated in those feelings because I was like, this is an older brother talking to a Uh, younger brother. Wow. Not a father figure talking to a son. There was nothing father, son. It didn't feel father, son at all to me. It felt very much like brothers and like an older brother giving his baby brother advice or just like checking in on him. But it, I love Mark as a character because yeah. this whole scene, I was like, what a lovely, endearing character. Yeah. I don't like him with Sarah, you guys. I don't like it. <laughs> well, I think I sort of get that. And as much as I love Sarah, there are times that I'm like, does she deserve Mark? <laughs> this paragon of goodness? I don't know. Like there are times <laughs> that I do wonder that. So I think I maybe see where you're coming from. I thought it was a really good like talk. There were two points that I was like, hmm, maybe not. Everything else I really liked. I thought it was good to really hammer home being safe, et cetera. I did think it was a bit personal to say as Amy on the pill, but like that, I was like, okay, maybe that's fine because you're talking about safe sex. But then when he was like, how many other guys has she been with? I'm like, danger, yeah. danger. That feels weird. You're a high school teacher. She's a student there. Like maybe we don't ask how many partners has Amy had, but also, what a flustered time. I don't I don't really fault him. He certainly wasn't shaming her. And he even said that, like, hey, no shame, you know, and no I believe judgment. him. No yeah, judgment. yeah, no judgment. So that maybe just was a little, like, I know he was just trying to hammer home, that's why you have to wear a condom every time because you slept with everyone they've slept with. And maybe he just knew Drew hadn't been with anyone but Amy, so he didn't need to ask Drew that question. But anyway, I thought, ooh, we are getting into the minutiae. Um, yeah. But then the <laughs> other thought I had was when, Drew said, don't tell my mom. I I could, I thought what he should have said was, I cannot promise you that I've, I, I will think about it, but I, I cannot tell you right now that I won't. Even if he couldn't have said at that moment, I have to tell your mom. I think he really should have said, and this is something I've learned as a teacher because we are asked like a thousand questions a day. We have to make all these like decisions. And I have gotten a lot better if someone says, when is this due? And I don't have a due date or, you know, how much extra credit I've learned not to just blurt out an answer. I've learned to say, I got to think about that. I haven't, I hadn't anticipated that question. So I have to think about it. And I just think he would have saved himself a lot of grief if he could have said that. Yeah. And I actually think Drew didn't want him to tell, of course, but I think he would have respected him more if he had said, I can't do that. Your mom and I are together. Yeah. And yeah. Mark just wasn't and he would, it that. would save him feeling betrayed later. Yeah. Yes. The yeah. trouble is he made him a promise that he shouldn't have made him. I, I yeah. Agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Well, the secret didn't last long. <laughs> I, I walked in on Drew and Amy having sex this morning um, over in that room. Oh, my God. But I handled it. I, we had a great talk. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked to him about condoms and being yeah, responsible. No, no, no. Thanks. And... He knows um, all that. I know. It's, but I... <laughs> this is more an issue of uh, you can't, you know, he can't just be doing that in the house. I mean, well, what are yeah, the ground I, rules, I, right? I, We're not like running a brothel here. No, now he's I, going over to her house. I don't even know if there's parents there. I was discouraging. But wait, but before you call him or anything, um, okay, I, I, I know he's your son, and um, uh, but I've been trying to also sort of transition from being his teacher to of a sort of parent-like figure. And he asked me not to tell you, and I told him that I wouldn't. And Mark. I know. I'm his mother. I know. That's this what I told you. This is a major issue. Now I... I know, and that's why I, I, I just told you. But I, I literally promised him this morning. And if, I, if he finds out that I, I just turned around and told you, this is the first I time he confided in me. I understand, but why make him that kind of promise? I get it. I think it's fine. He's being responsible, and we had this talk. And if you just trust me with this one... 
I would greatly appreciate it. I love that she was like, have you committed a murder? Like, I love... I have a little improv. uh, I have a cute, like, like, I have a, I don't have a cute. That was cute. And I have a little observation that I do find it troubling that Hank, as we've learned, is a great liar with the dolly thing. Like, and when she was moving, he just sweeps in there with a very amazing lie and Mark can't lie at all. And so I just want to say that in my mind, I think it's maybe a point to Mark that he's a terrible liar. No, don't take points away from Hank. (laughs) Well, I did I did think it was a good sign, not necessarily that Mark was a bad liar, but that Sarah could tell he was lying so easily. I thought yeah. well, that probably bodes well. Although she can't tell when she's lying or like when she's kissed yeah. her boss or what anyway, go on. I, I totally got where Mark was coming from in that scene, but it also felt a little bit to me like he was having a talk with his mom. Oh in yeah. that moment. Like, oh, can you please keep this secret for me? Because I'm starting to miss. And again, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. But it did feel like, wow. I also detected a sensitivity in Sarah to having her parenting judged or questioned. Mm -hmm. Like when Mark mentions, you know, I talked to Drew about condoms. And she goes, yeah, yeah, he knows all that. Like, Mm. I've covered it. I'm a good mom. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, I'm sure no parent likes being judged, Mm -hmm. but- it just felt unique to her that she has probably felt like she's been under a microscope for so long because she was like the failure sibling with kids Mm -hmm. and And she had no help jumping off that Caleb. I also thought like at, at the end when it's reiterated, because I didn't think about it, I'm like, Oh, I really like the way that the writers reminded us that she has been a single parent. Mm -hmm. She's been doing this by herself. So this introduction of like another person coming in to help with the kids is so foreign to her and just makes yeah. her feel completely left out rather than like, no, no, they'll, they'll handle this thing and they'll talk to you about it, but don't, you don't need to be involved. I ha- I've got this just doesn't sit well with her because she's so not used to it. She's yeah. just used to knowing everything. And I didn't until someone, I don't know if she said it. I think she said it. She's like, I've always been a single parent. And I was like, Oh, of course yeah. that explains like all of your behavior yeah. reactions to this because you're not used to having someone. Well, and she now has information. It would be very hard to pretend that she doesn't have that information. And she is the sort of mom who wants to have a talk with a son, or I mean, with a a child, if she knows something. And so it really, I could, it made her very uncomfortable that Mark told her something and then said, but I'm going to be, I mean, essentially, he doesn't say it word for word, but but I'm going to be betrayed if you tell Drew because I promise to, yeah. you know, everyone's in a terrible position in this, in this uh, storyline, you know, it's not good. And I also like for me too, I was like, if I knew that I, someone I trusted and that was responsible and was talking to him about sex and all the things you need to be careful of for me, I'd be like, all right, I don't need to talk to him, but then I'm not the mother and the parent. But even if I was the mother, I'd be like, if it's someone I know is giving him the correct advice, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel the need to then be like, well, I want to be part of this too. I'd be like, you guys got it. I'm going to go over here, tell everything he needs. So, and I'll pretend like nothing's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that end, Amy, you might like this. I have some points to give Hank. So I promised I wouldn't say anything. And now if you can believe it, I can't say anything. How do I get that same arrangement over here? Ha ha. What's the rate? What's the annual rate on this? 
Don't you think it's odd that I'm not allowed to know a, an entire portion of my kid's life? I, I think it's weird that you want to know about it. I don't it. want to talk about the details, but I, it's a life moment. It's something to acknowledge that normally I would be able to discuss with... How much did we spend on the Rosenthal bar mitzvah? I don't know. Then why are we still talking about your son's sex life? We're not talking about my son's sex life. We're talking about my life and the fact that I have been shut out of an area of his... Life. Uh, look, here's what I tell my daughter. There's no secrets in parenting. She tells me something, then she can assume her mother has the same info and vice versa. That's very helpful. Does that work? Yeah, when my ex is a line of me. I actually agree with Hank on all counts in this scene. I, I wasn't sure before, but especially given what Sarah knows about Drew and the kind of kid that Drew is, yes. and that Mark having talked to him about it, to me, like Hank, I was like, it's a little odd that she would want to talk to Drew about it. Like, he has a right to some privacy, although I also agree that he doesn't have a right to have sex in their house with no one knowing about it. Right. But, you know, the fact is, she does know that Drew is sexually active. There is no secret being kept mm -hmm. from her. So it's not, and it's not like the situation is completely unmonitored. Right, right. And Hank's no secrets warning is smart advice, I think. Now, obviously, they can't retroactively right. go back and, and fix this one. But, you know, I, that made me think it was never made explicit to me as a kid by my parents. But when I look back on my childhood, I never assumed one parent would know about something and the other wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment in the episode before Sarah even said it that it occurred to me, oh, Sarah's probably never actually co-parented. Yeah. Right. She has, she has never, she didn't have the tools. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is theme? the theme. All about the tools, guys. Uh. <laughs> so she just thought, I handle things and I didn't handle this, so I need to. Right. And it, the adjustment here is actually, I think maybe you don't need to handle it. I think it is. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, I think I'm totally on board. Caleb, I thought everything you thought, like assume that even though he told Mark not to tell her, he did tell her. Yeah. And obviously Drew would have the assumption that he told her she doesn't need to make a point of knowing it at that point. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's okay. and what's the talk going to be like <laughs> exactly. when, she, when she did then talk to Drew, I was like, what is she after here? Yeah. What's her yes. angle? I kind of felt like her only angle was actually to get Mark to confess. Which wow. to me was that's not a good sign. Not yeah. not nice, and I think that's certainly how he interpreted it. And I don't know if that was consciously her thing, but it's like, what do you want to have a discussion about? Or did she just want Drew to know that she knew, and they didn't have to talk about it? I could maybe understand that, but I, I, I that's I don't another know. good point though. It's like, what was know. she trying to accomplish by? It? Like, yeah, what else, I, what more did she want to get out of it by having a conversation with him? Yeah, I, I just was torn by the whole thing. Like, I'm having sex. Do you want to hear that from your yeah. TV son? And because I do think, in general, she has a right to know, especially if it's happening yeah. in her house. But I don't understand what she wants to do with that information. Yes. Like Hank. I was like, okay, you know. Now what? I well, it makes me think... She has such a different relationship with Amber. Like, look at the last, you know, episode... God, was it just the last one where Amber and Ryan have sex for the first time? Feels like they've been together for years. Wow, you yeah. jumped quick. I don't quick. It's nuts. But the way that Sarah comes over to her house and she's wearing Ryan's t-shirt and she's like, I've got somebody here. Oh, you know him. Maybe she's like, that's the relationship I have with my kids. It's open. They, they don't keep secrets from me. I want... You know, I think that is probably why it was hard. And I did think it was kind of funny that Hank's like... I mean, Hank has said this... 
continually. But he's like, why do you want to know so much about your kids? Like, like just let yeah, them be yeah. private. Let them They're have their lives. People. Right. It's they are. Like, but... Sarah knows who Drew is. Drew mm-hmm. is very shy. He keeps a lot to himself. And so she's got to sort of like temper the parental, like this one you can talk to. And this one, if you know, that's enough. You're not going to get much, but you know, don't try and make this child, this child. They're two different people. So that's, that's something else. I mean, like you said, Caleb, she knows who Drew is. She, Mm -hmm. she knows he's a very like reserved kid. Yes. And a very responsible kid. So I, I, cause I think it would be different also if she did not think Drew was going to be responsible. Right. If Drew yeah. was going to be having unprotected sex yeah. and was going to, you know, get Amy pregnant or or if there was any issue of like, you know, I bet Drew is doing this, but Amy might not want to, you know, like I think she knows these kids care about each other. My son is respectful and responsible. Okay. I, it would be hard. I mean, even as I'm saying this though, it would be really hard to relinquish that you know like to just trust with something as big as that for high schoolers i mean they're 17 maybe 18 years old yeah i so i sympathize with her i'm not judging i think she wanted to have a talk with her son herself like i mean hey i'm the last one to take anyone's side over you know mark sears but i really (laughs) i i did get it i thought Everyone is different. Some people really would be like, okay, you handled it. That's fine. I don't think she was second guessing the way he handled it, which is how he took it. And I get why he took it that way. I think it was more, you had a talk with him. I want to have a talk with him. He's, he's my kid. I don't want to be looped out of this. I, it's important that I talk to him. I think, I think that's how she was. Also, though, something's just hitting me because he says, I told him about condoms and everything. And when she says that line, you said, Caleb, like, yeah, he knows all about that. How? Did she already have a talk with him? Was that just off camera? Oh, I assumed that, yeah, she grew up. So now she wants to about... have another talk. Like, why I don't does think she... she wants to have a safe sex talk. I think she wants to have a talk about, okay, this is like an emotional. Um, yeah. You yes. know, like... She is very, she does seem very eager for details about how they came back together. Yeah, I think that's it. I think she wants to be like, so you two are together now. You got really hurt last time. I'm, you know, are you okay? I think she's just acknowledging there's a level of intimacy in this relationship, both the sex, but also getting back together. I think she just doesn't want to be looped out. And I think maybe wants to make sure, you know, you know, you can come talk to me too. It doesn't have to be something you have to hide from me. I think maybe her feelings are hurt that, yeah. I mean, Drew probably just didn't want her to know because it was embarrassing, but right. probably for her, she's like, let's not be embarrassed. Let's, let's talk about it. You know? So I think she was probably just upset. Like I have no control over this. Like because Mark is the one who walked in on them and then Mark agreed to not say anything. I just yeah. don't get to be in on this part. And that's essentially what she says to Hank. You know, I just I don't. Think she comes to that realization at the end when she says like, well, I'm a single parent. I've just yeah. been doing it all by myself. But like for my money, I'm like, okay, but you got to let go of some stuff. Like you've got to yeah. pick your battles, babe. Like if you, if you want to have a partner in Mark and you want him to be a father figure to your kids, you got to release some of the control to him to take care of some of certain things. And if you're not going to do that, or you're going to fight him on it, yeah. you're not going to have a partnership and you're not going to have the person you want to help you yeah. if yeah. you're going to want to control it all. So there has to be an element in her at this point where it's like, Sarah, release it. Like, just let that, let that battle go. There's going to be more. Let yeah. that one go for a totally. second. Well, let's talk about that last scene. Sorry. 
I realize that I don't have a very much experience uh, parenting with somebody. But I, I want you to be involved. Me too. I, um, you know, I don't have any experience with this. Yeah. I just felt, I felt like I, w I had this opportunity to get closer to Drew and... I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out my place in this family, you know? I'm trying to figure it out, too. Now, in real life, I would think that this conversation was actually pretty constructive. Mm -hmm. I felt like Sarah's apology was very sincere. Yes. They both acknowledged their shortcomings and how they handled this. They expressed a common goal. You know, we want to figure out how you're going to fit in this family. That's what we both want. And that this was just an instance where they fell short. And it's like, well, that happens. And, you know, next time, hopefully we'll do better. But because this is TV mm -hmm. and Ray Romano is waiting <laughs> in the wings, right. I interpreted this scene as a sign of trouble ahead. Yes, me too. I'm fine with that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. I mean, I... Liz and I will battle on this for the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like it. I think that's fun. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really do like Ray Romano's performance very, very much. And, you know, when he's on, I have to admit, I find him hilarious and very likable, even when he's saying some kind of terrible things. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, yeah, I get it. It's hard for me to even articulate it. I just think maybe it's kind of like when Crosby and Jasmine were like dating so-called perfect people, but they were happier with each other even though they obviously have horrible fights like we saw in this episode and and you know maybe mark would be the more sensible choice in some ways you know he doesn't have the baggage that hank has and maybe he has the inexperience as well but he's very mature for his age and you know i mean we almost never see him take a misstep like he's just very kind and i think hank is kind of a mess in a lot of ways but i think that in some other ways they relate to each other much more than she does. I love their rapport. Like their whole little bit in the studio, I just thought was so like his, this thing you were talking about earlier, Caleb, like they're just back and forth, I think is so, it's so easy. And it feels, that just feels more like a partnership than Mark and Sarah do. Like, mm -hmm. I think I said it in the, the one I, the episode I did before with you guys, where it's like, it just feels like they're at just such different times in their lives. Like they're just missing things and missing each other on certain like arguments or issues that just because she's slightly older and has lived a little longer she's just I don't know there's they're just there's a disconnect between them that I love them individually I think Mark is a good person and a good character together they just keep missing for me I don't know what it is I will hand it to the show that if their agenda which it sure seems to be yeah. is to either break Sarah and Mark up or at least explore what are the conflicts that these characters would have. I think they're doing a bang-up job of finding believable conflicts. Yeah. Rather, I mean, you yeah. said a ver at least a version of this in a previous podcast, Melissa, that they're not changing Mark's character. No. And suddenly, oh, he has all these demons or he's acting in ways he's never acted before. And this, I thought, was a really interesting conflict because, like, what does Sarah care about more than even Mark, how she parents her children. Yeah. And if Mark is going to interfere with that, through the best of intentions, 
Yeah. That's a crack. And and the way that he did feel like a big brother or he did feel like he that was, was a good point. The way permission. you said that. It's, that's it felt true. like a big brother. And it's like, like, oh, these are some believable issues that they would have. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, I, I hate to do it to you, Melissa. I really <laughs> <laughs> It's fair. And you know, I mean, ultimately I think I think I might even agree, like rationally. Yes. But like my heart says otherwise, you know, I'm just know. like, uh, but we, we yeah. have to find a different love. He'll be happy. Melissa. Although be there's fine. secret option three, too, which is if, you know, not there isn't because it's TV. But if this were real life, maybe you do discover that you and Mark, as much as you love each other, are maybe not meant to spend the rest of your lives together. Yeah. But that doesn't mean. Well, now I have no choice but to date my boss, Hank, who's a mess. <laughs> I'm not sold hey. yet that Hank <laughs> is a great alternative. I like him. Although mm-hmm. he may be serving to point up some of the issues that she was blind to with Mark. Part of me, I think, is just a little sad that if this was just going to become season four, like, oh, the love triangle. Oh, she ultimately leaves Mark for someone as much as I love having him on TV as, as much as he can be, I wish they just would have stayed broken up at the end of season three. They would have broken up not because of a person, not because, oh, I've met someone else that I'm more compatible with. I wish they would have just been like, we're at different places in our life. You yes. want to have a child. I've decided I don't. And I wish it just would have been a clean break and it would have been this like sort of poignant goodbye. And then yeah. I would be much more open to Hank, I have to say, because now it feels yeah. to me like he's deliberately like messing with someone who has a fiance. And I'm like, well, I, that's not the way to get me to like you. And so that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Then it feels like they've ended something. They've learned from each other. They're going to grow and take it to the next yes. thing. Yeah. And then they'll have a little alone time and then the, that'll fill it in for the next thing. Yeah. I'm with you. I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll give hey, you that. Yeah, look at that. Where's the compromise? It's beautiful. So I'll allow it. <laughs> well, like we said, this was a hard episode to watch. And the way Melissa and I typically prepare for the podcast is we watch the episode once and then she'll send me like, here's the things I want to talk about or like the scenes I want clips of. And then We'll each watch it a second time, and that's when I incorporate what she had and blah, 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 blah. There, that's how the sausage is made. (laughs) This time, I did not want to watch it a second time. Wow. And not because I didn't like the episode. I mean, and I I did watch it, and then I enjoyed it again. But yeah, I was like, ah, I realize conflict is like the essence of drama. So there's no point in watching the show to just watch everything go right for everyone. Right. (laughs) But so much of this episode felt like watching characters suffer. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm going to watch Christina suffer. I'm going to watch Adam suffer. I'm going to watch Ryan suffer and Amber. And yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that again. That's why I wanted to kill you when you told me it was this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I texted him and was like, really, Caleb? And he was like, yep, she's a doozy. Good luck. And I was like, (laughs) I did. I did. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so mad. Uh, I was like, "Ooh, what episode is it?" No, this is horrible. Oh, you're right. And I have to say, I liked the episode even more after our discussion. I had not picked up on this tools. Ah, oh, that's brilliant. That we've discovered. Thank goodness but I, we had you. I mean, even though, yeah. Well, yeah, I've dealt with a lot of people in my life where I'm like, they didn't get the right tools. It's brilliant. They didn't get the right. Yeah, tools. you're so right. And it really was, uh, I think. Uh, 
prominent part of this episode. Yeah. Well, I hate you for making me watch it, but also I love you because it really <laughs> such a good show. I can't handle it. I just uh, sit there and cry and oh, they're like family. They really are, you guys. They are. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is so cheesy. I shouldn't even say it, but like, I think that's what I've loved about the podcast is I sort of feel like my own little personal family is growing, you know? And, and, you know, if I had just happened to meet you twice, briefly have like a discussion, Kayla being like, oh, this is my friend, Amy. I don't think I would feel the way I feel, you know, like th this isn't just a casual meet. It's like, yeah. you really get into things and keep yeah. it G rated friends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's also along the lines, Caleb, of like the intimacy that you get with like, not just a lover, but like yeah. a friend when you really dig, like dig into your opinions yes. about like parenthood and raising kids and trauma and everything. You just, there's a bond that happens in a deeper connection than the surfacey stuff. And this show is like the quintessential show yes. to do that with, yeah. with the amount of stuff that they go through on this show. You can learn a lot of, you know, you can learn a lot about a person in a crisis and also their reaction to the show Parenthood. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you, Amy. Did I cut you off, Melissa? No, no. I was just like, how do we sign off? I always forget. Like, do we ask people if they want to plug stuff first and then we do our own? I can never remember the order. Amy, do you want to plug anything? Like, I mean, try and spot me on the second season of the morning show. <laughs> Yay. And then I do fun lip syncs over on my Instagram. At, what is my Instagram? Amy Jean underscore. 1930. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, I did. I so. Amy Jean underscore 1930. I never know where the underscore is. It's Amy Jean <laughs> underscore 1930. There it is. And that's yeah. Jean, J-E-A-N. Yes, Jean. <laughs> Her middle name like, is like you're Eugene. wearing <laughs> my grandma's name. So we got, Aww. we were named after my grandmother. I love she, that. Oh. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and you can also, you know, follow us like us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and find all of our info at parenthoodpals.com. Thanks again to Amy Shaughnessy. One of our favorites. So Thank much you. For having me. You will be back. I mean, you didn't I'm say ready. anywhere, but I'm just it better be an uplifting episode. We're going to find a really old. happy one. We're going to well, if there are any. One exists. If one exists. It's got your name on it. Yeah. We owe you. <laughs> and thank you listeners as always. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.